Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So we just had this um, day long on Sunday at Spirit Rock. Uh, anybody was there? I know a couple of people were there. Just, yeah, just two people were there. Well, um, it was really good. And I want to just share a little bit about it and uh, let you know that uh, you can uh, ha- still have access to it. It was actually, uh, there were 900 people that uh, registered for both live and uh, online uh, for this day. Um, and in, in fact, it was the largest response of any event that we put on. And I had a feeling it would be uh, pretty good with the lineup that, that was there. Joanna Macy and um, Jack Cornfield um, with a, a video uh, by video. Tara Brock by video, by Zoom. Um, Analio Bhikkhu, the just really brilliant mind, uh, scholar, meditation master. Bellevue Rooks, this really uh, inspiring uh, woman uh, eco-activist that uh, really touched the heart. Um, Jennifer Berezin, who's done, uh, who's come here and sang, and uh, just a really brilliant singer-songwriter. Wes Nisker, uh, doing a piece as well. It was good. Um, and first, just a little plug for it. If you want to have access to it, uh, you go to Spirit Rock. Right now, if you go to the calendar between now and Sunday, you can register to get the recording um, that way. After Sunday, uh, the 22nd, you go to my personal teacher page. They'll have the link for the, the day long there. Uh, and you can offer what, whatever you want. It's a, it was a benefit for, uh, One Earth Sangha, uh, and Spirit Rock, but mainly One Earth Sangha. And you can choose from any of six categories from zero, uh, 25, 50, 150, 500, and 1,008. Um, but we just really want to have it available, accessible to everyone. Uh, and then you can see it for, right now, you can view it for three months. And I'm trying to work with Spirit Rock to have that restriction uh, removed. Um, And one of the presentations was from somebody who um, probably uh, most people didn't know, a woman named Kirsten Rudestam, who's somebody that I've been supporting and uh, mentoring for uh, close to 20 years now. Um, And she is uh, an environmental uh, studies instructor and wilderness guide. She's taught at um, Santa Cruz, uh, University of Santa Cruz. She teaches at 
Santa Cruz Insight, um, and also um, at uh, Willamette um, uh, last year. And uh, she's a very inspiring uh, young woman. Now she's 40, actually. Uh, but um, she spoke about the importance of uh, young people's voices. And uh, there was a clip that she showed of the uh, last big March um, climate strike in May, May 24th, uh, where although very few people in the States saw much about it, uh, the clip was of, there were 1,600 cities and places all around the world, and it was a clip of thousands of young people in Melbourne and New Zealand and uh, in Berlin and England and Scotland and uh, all all over the world um, on uh, a climate strike. Uh, another one which is happening tomorrow, as we said before the break. Um, there's something happening here. There's an old, there's an old Buffalo. If you're old enough, there's an old Buffalo Springfield song. Something happened in here. For what it's worth was the name of the song. And there's something happening here. And it is mainly ignited, inspired by this 16-year-old rail-thin little girl who is a powerhouse named Greta Thunberg. We showed a clip of Greta Thunberg um, uh, Kirsten did in her presentation. How many people have seen clips of Greta Thunberg? And I um, thought that maybe I'd play a couple of little clips uh, uh, about uh, of her. She just spoke to the um, to Congress, and uh, what was it? Pulled up a couple of things. What did she say to Congress? Oh, yeah. Taking senators to task, saying, you're not trying hard enough. Sorry. She's this extraordinary human being and uh, I'll share a little bit about her and then hopefully make a Dharma point and, and maybe play a few clips too so you get a sense of her. Um, she heard about climate um, situation when she was eight in school in Sweden and she was so distraught and confused and thought, well, if this is what's happening, why Aren't we doing something about it? A logical question, wouldn't you think? Especially for an eight-year-old who is a very logical 
human being, and she's a very logical human being. And when she both got the facts and saw the inaction, there was this dissonance within her. She couldn't understand why people weren't doing anything. And uh, she became um, very distraught and very depressed. So depressed, it got worse and worse that um, she um, stopped eating for a while. She stopped talking. And it was then she was diagnosed at some point. She is, um, is on the autism spectrum. Very high functioning on that spectrum. But she sees things in clarity without the, the nuance of why people wouldn't respond when there's a problem. And she also has this incredibly powerful commitment to the truth. So she stopped eating for a while. She had and has what's called selective mutism. She didn't talk for quite a while when she was 12 or and 13. And she would only speak when she had something to say. Radical, isn't it? Only speaking when it was important to speak. And then she decided to, uh, she was, she didn't know what to do to, um, express her displeasure and, uh, frustration. And so she started sitting on the steps of parliament in Sweden every Friday for, um, I think it's now, um, the last, uh, year and a half, two years. Now she's start, she's out of school for now. But every Friday she would go on strike and just sit in front of the parliament with a, a sign that said climate strike. Can you imagine? 14 and a half, 15 years old doing that? Can you imagine being so aligned with the truth, no BS at all, that she just had to do something. And she tried to get her classmates to do, uh, to do actions with her. Nobody wanted to do anything. So she was all by herself doing it week after week after week with a sign that just said, climate strike. And somehow, it started to catch on. It's kind of funny like that when something goes viral. You know, you never know why something will go viral. But something that sparks people's imagination and her commitment to the truth and her clarity and her uh, courage um, awakened something in others. And now, millions and millions of people are going to be striking tomorrow from around the world. 
And it's interesting, one of the points I want to bring up in reading about her, she talks quite openly about being on the autism spectrum. And instead of feeling embarrassed about it or seeing it as some kind of defect, she calls it her superpower. Because she just sees the truth and says, there's a problem, something needs to be done about it. And as perhaps you know, you're probably familiar, uh, some one way that 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 um, people on the spectrum manifest is they're they're not in, they don't have the same often the same social nuances and pick up cues from others or have the same kind of um, interrelational dance with others. And she, her superpower is she does not care what anybody thinks about her. She's so committed to the truth and has absolutely no self-consciousness and doesn't care what people think. She says, I'm not trying to be popular. I just want the truth. And as I was thinking about that, coming into uh, the, the Dharma holding of that, she really has the understanding of anatta down. Anatta in Buddhist teachings is seeing through the our self-image, our self-centeredness, how we are doing, what other people think of us. It's sometimes called selfing, where most of what we do and most of our actions are hugely colored by what others will think of us. How am I doing? Do I fit in? Am I okay? Will I stand out? Will I make a fool of myself? Will people ridicule me? Or will they like me? Will they, will they see what a good person I am? Will they love me? And of course, those are such human things that just about everybody on this planet, unless you've been doing a lot of practice, or you somehow see through that game, it's just part of being human, and it is the the big koan for practitioners to see through. That's what the Buddha's teaching was about, seeing the impermanent nature of things, seeing how trying to hold on, grasp on to changing experience is suffering, and seeing that you too are this flow of experience that is not solid, 
life isn't happening to you. That's one way to think of it. But life is happening through you, expressing itself through you. And you see the selfless nature of this being called you. As I often uh, like to point to people, instead of thinking of yourself as a noun, as some body, just for a moment, we've done this before, close your eyes, and we often think of ourselves as somebody, some a person, a noun, a person, place, or a thing, a noun, as you know. And there you are, a noun, sitting here. And just for a few moments, shift your perspective and see yourself as a verb, as a field of activity with all of your biological systems, your circulatory system, digestive process, and nervous system, and endocrine system, and thoughts, and emotions, and all of those things happening, all in a continual flow of experience. Just relate to yourself. You are a verb. And there's nothing in that that is fixed and static. There is nothing that you can point to in that flow of experience and say, oh, that's the essence of me. Because it's all changing, changing continually. And just... Get a sense of what it's like when you really see it. Maybe you've seen that in your own practice and how the need to be recognized and aggrandize or uh, feel feel protective or seen, how that falls away when you just see, oh, this is just life happening through this form called me. Okay, you can open your eyes if you like. So, this is really what the Buddha is talking about. Really, this is the the awakened perspective where there's not this solid me. I, me, my making, uh, the, the Buddha would say. This is the problem. And the freedom that comes without feeling that you're separate or need to be approved of and recognized. And look what happens when somebody just doesn't care, is not trying to be popular, is not trying to impress. How impressive it is when somebody is not trying to impress. Have you ever noticed that when somebody is trying to be impressed? You ever meet some new somebody new and you're trying to impress them? Maybe be a little bit more than you are, or hope that they see you. When you see somebody in that mode, as we all can be in those times, 
when somebody is trying to impress, it's not very impressive. And when somebody is not trying to impress and is just themselves, that's impressive. Especially if they are just themselves and have a basic goodness that wants to be aligned with the truth as they see it and with harmony in this world. Gandhi was not trying to impress. Martin Luther King was not trying to impress. It takes courage for most people to not try to impress or care what others think about you because you're so aligned with the truth that the truth is your protection as Gandhi coined that, that, that phrase, or maybe he didn't coin it, but he used the phrase a lot, satyagraha, the force of truth. When you are standing in your truth, there is a kind of fearlessness and courage that is itself a power, and it transmits to others. And here we have this now 16-year-old girl who is embodying that through her superpower that she's just telling it like it is. And I, for one, probably you as well, when I see her, I just, there's something that gives me courage too. And as I said, I think maybe a couple of weeks ago, I was giving some talk, I think it was Ecodharma or something like that, um, getting more and more clear, this is no time to play small. This is no time to wonder how you're going to come off by speaking your truth. This is a, this is an all hands on deck moment, but you have to come from love. Because if you come from hatred or othering or they're the bad guys and not seeing, it's just ignorance that's the problem. Ignorance is the real villain. I said this on, on uh, Sunday. It's just not seeing clearly as soon as you put others down because they're not as aware as you and you get into othering, good guys and the bad guys, you are back in, uh, in the problem. As Martin Luther King says, I've quoted this, this line before, I love this line, you have no moral authority over those who can feel your underlying contempt. You have no moral authority over those who can feel your underlying contempt. So how to stand up for the truth and say what's 
what needs to be said because you are coming from a place of alignment and courage without getting into hatred. As the Buddha said, hatred never ceases by hatred. Hatred ceases by love alone. This is an ancient and eternal law. So anyway, we can be inspired by those who have that capacity. And for me, when I hear Greta Thunberg, there's something in me that gets awakened that says, yeah, I'm going for it. And there's something in millions of people that she's touched that are going to be out on the streets tomorrow. That's very cool. That's very special. And all it takes is one skinny little 16-year-old girl now with long pigtails having the courage to say it like it is. Because we want to hear the truth. We love to hear the truth. You know, that's why we go to, we have shows like Law and Order or all the kinds of justice shows because when there's not an alignment with truth, no, there's something dissonant until finally, yeah, justice is served. Ah, we love the truth and yet, it's kind of scary to stand up for it. But here, I just want to point out this very amazing moment where young people, and it usually is young people, who have enough idealism and energy and enough rebellion against authority, perhaps, are joining this one young skinny girl from Sweden who is telling it like it is. She's beautiful. So I thought, among other things, um, I would um, just play a few clips of her so we can just hear the truth. I just love hearing her tell the truth. And there's a couple that I'll share. I shared this once before from uh, when we showed it, I think, up on uh, on the screen. Uh, this was when she spoke at the climate summit in Poland um, in, um, when was it, 2018, yeah, December 2018, in front of all of these world leaders and... They invited her to come. Could you imagine? She was 15 at the time. Can you imagine speaking in front of all these world leaders? What what would come out of your mouth? And this is her speaking to all of these leaders. It's just three minutes and 30 seconds. I hope this is loud enough for us to hear. Yeah.
My name is Greta Thunberg. I am 15 years old and I'm from Sweden. I speak on behalf of Climate Justice Now. Many people say that Sweden is just a small country and it doesn't matter what we do. But I've learned that you are never too small to make a difference. And if a few children can get headlines all over the world just by not going to school, then imagine what we could all do together if we really wanted to. But to do that, we have to speak clearly, no matter how uncomfortable that may be. You only speak of green, eternal economic growth because you are too scared of being unpopular. You only talk about moving forward with the same bad ideas that got us into this mess, even when the only sensible thing to do is pull the emergency brake. You are not mature enough to tell it like it is. Even that burden you leave to us children. But I don't care about being popular. I care about climate justice and a living planet. Our civilization is being sacrificed for the opportunity of a very small number of people to continue making enormous amounts of money. Our biosphere is being sacrificed so that rich people in countries like mine can live in luxury. It is the sufferings of the many which pay for the luxuries of the few. The year 2078, I will celebrate my 75th birthday. If I have children, maybe they will spend that day with me. Maybe they will ask me about you. Maybe they will ask why you didn't do anything while there still was time to act. You say you love your children above all else, and yet you are stealing their future in front of their very eyes. Until you start focusing on what needs to be done, rather than what is politically possible, there is no hope. We cannot solve a crisis without treating it as a crisis. We need to keep the fossil fuels in the ground, and we need to focus on equity. And if solutions within this system are so impossible to find, then maybe we should change the system itself. We have not come here to beg world leaders to care. You have ignored us in the past and you will ignore us again. You have run out of excuses and we are running out of time. We have come here to let you know that change is coming, whether you like it or not. The real power belongs to the people. Thank you. This is, uh, this is her in front of Congress just this week. Uh, and there's also one or two other um, young people with her. And when she goes up, she, she, uh, they want her to take the stage and she insists on having a lot of young people. She says, it, this is not about me. And this is all of these other courageous people 
young people who don't get the, the spotlight. I want you to focus on them. So this is her in front of Congress just this last week. I don't want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to the scientists. How we can get more young people involved. Um, I think to just tell them the truth. Tell them how it is. And um, because when I found out how it actually was, that made me furious. So I was... I wanted to do something about it. Everyone who will walk up to me after this testimony saying that I have such a bright future ahead of me will be lying to my face. It doesn't matter how talented we are. It doesn't matter how much work we put in, how many dreams we have. The reality is my generation has been committed to a planet that is collapsing. The fact that you are staring at a panel of young people testifying before you today, pleading for a livable earth, should not fill you with pride. It should fill you with shame. As it is now, people in general don't seem to be very aware of the actual science and the how severe this crisis actually is. So I just think we need to inform them and start treating this crisis like, like the existential emergency it is. Oops. And I wanted also to play one other clip of, not of Greta, but of a Dharma teacher. Uh, I played this a few months ago, um, a man in um, the UK, Yanai Pastelnik, who is uh, part of the Extinction Rebellion movement. And Extinction Rebellion is this movement, again, you don't hear much about it here, although there is a, a very active chapter in San Francisco, but around the globe, the Extinction Rebellion is this movement. It started in the UK, and Yanai was one of the original people um, involved that is simply demanding that governments tell the truth. That's basically it. When they say, tell the truth, say the real facts of just what an emergency this is. So this was Yanai in um, an act of civil disobedience. This is what um, Extinction Rebellion does. And in England, uh, they have very, very polite police. Very different than, uh, than most any place else. And in fact, they, um, some of the police apologize to, um, uh, to them and thank them for their, their actions. And Yanai, uh, this was one of his first, um, actions. And then he was, uh, placed on parole. Actually, no, this is a, the video of a second action where he was going to be breaking parole, uh, because they said they, that he can't do any more civil disobedience, but he didn't care. And in fact, what one thing that he did after this, among other people, if you can handle this, they glued their hands to a government building to shut it down. And it ta- you can you can very carefully 
if you have the right kind of chemical unglued, he superglued his hands. But And it takes a lot of time and a lot of uh, painstaking effort to have the um, solution that undoes it. But Yanai has been inspired in the same way that Greta is and just standing in the truth. So I want to share with you Yanai. symbolic, the poetic, the emotional, the stoic, and for some of us, the spiritual, come once again to speak truth to those in power. He's got a megaphone. Right now, we can see, the scientists have brought in all the information that we need to know that there is a climatic catastrophe brewing and actually already taking place. The water is rising. There are people in the South Pacific whose homes have already gone. The science is done in a way. We know the situation. You don't need a lecture from me, I don't think, on that. It's actually the social consciousness and the political will that is missing. People are not aware of what's happening. And so the demand of Extinction Rebellion is that the government and the media must tell the truth about this extreme circumstance. The media coverage is minimal and tragically inadequate in relationship to the urgency of our circumstance. We have 12 years to turn that around and we need to start now. It's urgent. And so to do the action we're doing today to viscerally and visually express our concern and the risks that we are facing of what we may be doing to the children we leave behind us. I'm here today because I'm scared. I'm scared for all the youth in areas around the globe who are already having to deal with the problem of climate change. Coming along for this action, my situation is quite particular. I was uh, joining in an Extinction Rebellion action 10 days ago. A number of us were arrested there and I am... I've been released on bail and so I'm, I'm choosing to do this action, although there's a possibility this my participation will be seen as breaching those bail conditions. I was bailed with the uh, prohibition from entering the city of Westminster, the city of London or the borough of Southwark. I'm a Buddhist minister and um, one of the exceptions to my bail condition was that if I have a work, a legal or a medical appointment, that doesn't prohibit me. And so I see this as a part of my work, as a spiritual and moral duty to engage with bringing people's attention to this, to waking people up to the climate emergency. And so as far as I'm concerned, I'm not breaching my bowel conditions because this is actually part of my work. But I don't know how that will be perceived by others, and so I don't know what will happen. The urgency of this is extreme, and the need for people to wake up and for our political class to find the will, the courage, the commitment, and the love, actually, the love that says they can disregard their indebtedness to the corporate world and actually act from their hearts and from their moral and official duty to serve the well-being of the world. And that's what I'm concerned with as a human being and also as a spiritual teacher. This is what I've been concerned with for all of my adult life. And this engagement and action is an expression of that for me. Just uh, notice how that lands for you, the commitment and the courage, not playing small, to have fierce 
compassion. Let me see if there's anything else that I want to share before opening it up. So here we are um, at this point, this juncture that these next few years will determine the fate of civilization. That's kind of, you know, you see these action movies all the time, you know, oh, the superheroes are going to save the earth, you know, and it just seems like a kind of a far-fetched plot. Here we all are, that if we get together, the earth will survive without us, but save civilization. Uh, it's right there, right on the cusp. As I've said a number of times, we're on this, in this race between fear and consciousness. And there's never been as much greed, hatred, and delusion on a self-destructive scale and there's never been as much caring and consciousness and uh, global feeling of we're in this together. And here we are, agents of consciousness, because what we do is contagious, just like what Greta has done is contagious, or Yanai. What you do really counts. And if you are just mired in despair and hopelessness, then or anger and outrage, then you're just contributing more of that. But if you are inspired to show up in whatever way you can, um, you never know, although there's all kinds of awful things that, that can be predicted, you don't know. I'm an old sports fan. I said this on Sunday, as people know. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a sports fan from, from way back, and I grew up with the Miracle Mets in 1969 that had thousand to one odds against them at the beginning of the season and they won the World Series. You never know and until it's over you're part of the inspired action. As Suzuki Roshi says, even if the sun were to rise from the west, the Bodhisattva has only one way. Thomas Merton, an activist has to come to terms with the fact that what is done may be ultimately fruitless, but that you're not doing it solely for the hope of results. As you get used to this idea, you start more and more to concentrate on the value, the rightness, the truth of what you do for itself. And there's a, a Talmud saying in the, the Jewish teachings, the Talmud, if the world were ending and you knew that nothing would make a difference, you'd still do what's most aligned with the heart's deepest value. 
So here we are in this um, crisis, danger. You know, the Chinese characters for, chi- for crisis, danger plus opportunity. And yeah, the major dukkha is unavoidable, but we will all wake up sooner or later and let's do what we can to make it sooner because sooner is less dukkha. And this is our opportunity to wake up. This is the way I see it. We've been asleep for a long time in this, like the frog that's slowly boiling and doesn't realize how hot it's getting. And this is all of a sudden, the heat has been turned up very quickly. And we're waking up because that's what suffering does. It wakes us up. So this is this opportunity for awakening, for rebooting a system that was not working. I sometimes, I don't know if I've said it here, I sometimes think of Donald Trump as a bodhisattva in drag coming to wake up humanity. And when people say, well, I don't know what to do, I, I, I forget if I shared it here or not. One thing that we're doing is um, Jane and I are going to go to Wisconsin next October um, for, uh, for the election because the way I figure it, it's not a political act. This is a moral act to vote out any climate deniers anyone who says, oh, there's no problem here. They are stealing our future, as Greta saying. And so we do what we can to take away power from those who would take away our planet. But we all have to find out whatever for us really moves us, whatever we're so inspired, follow your heartbreak, as, uh, as Andrew Harvey says, whether it's elections or seeing uh, racial inequity or social injustice, they're all related, they're all connected. Just greed, hatred, and delusion expressing itself in various ways. And climate is falls on all of us, but particularly those that are um, uh, the most oppressed and most treated unfairly. But along with that caring, you got to come from love. Otherwise, it's too painful. You got to come from how much you care about the planet and how underneath that outrage and that frustration is caring. And you've got to see all the good there is in this world. Otherwise, it's too overwhelming. And your compassion has to be held with equanimity that says, okay, this is the way things are, and what can I do about it? So, uh, just uh, one last reflection, uh, and then we can open it up invite you to close your
your eyes. And get in touch with how much you care about this planet. Whether it's loving nature or other living beings, just first get in touch with your caring. That very wholesome place inside of you that loves life and loves goodness and loves truth. And then get in touch with your gifts. What gifts has life given you? Whether it's deep caring or a contagious enthusiasm or a quiet kind of commitment that wants to get things done or whatever it is, creativity, playfulness, whatever. What are your gifts that you have to give to this world? As it's said in positive psychology, the true happiness comes from seeing what your gifts are and offering them in a spirit of contribution. What are your gifts? And then reflect for a few moments, what holds you back from the fullness of what you can contribute in this world? What others might think of you? Fear? Hopelessness? Distraction? Numbing out? What holds you back from really expressing your gifts? And then I want to ask you, what if you were bold? What if you didn't play small? What if you just let your gifts out? As Angelus Arian says, action absorbs anxiety. What if you really let your gifts out and expressed all that caring in constructive ways. Knowing that it's contagious, just like those inspiring figures. You make a difference. Just envision what you have to offer. Don't think about saving the world. That's way too much to put on your shoulders. But just do what you do from love, from joy, as Julia Butterfly Hill calls it, a joyful responsibility. What if you put your gifts into action? What 
with courage and fearlessness and commitment. And if you did it with friends, because you can't do it alone, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. Just feel really good about the possibilities of what you have to share. Don't come from guilt, come from love. So you can take a few moments and see if there's any comments or questions or things that come up from the talk. We'll be finished soon, and if you can stay, appreciate it. So... Well, I find a lot of what gets in the way of me acting is fear. Fear. Yes. Yes. Yeah. A lot of, there's a lot of fear in there. And mm-hmm. what's, what's the best way to deal with, what's the best way to deal with that? You, um, hold your fear with a lot of compassion. It's understandable. It's scary. And you, I have a, 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 um, a little rule to myself. When I, when I have a lot of fear, I, fear is running the show or driving where I'm going. I take it out of the driver's seat. I put it in the passenger seat in my mind. I put a seatbelt around it. I put a helmet on it. I don't want to throw it out of the car. It's too freaked out as it is. Don't put it in the trunk. No, that'll just make it more frightening. And you honor it, but you don't let fear run the show. You don't get the keys to the car. And so you really have to hold the fear with compassion, not pretend it's not there, but take it in, 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 um, in pieces and you you're not alone. You realize you can't do it alone. It's, um, uh, on, on Sunday, it was quite extraordinary. It was, it was a packed, um, room. And at the beginning, there was, there were a lot of feelings in there. Everybody coming, hoping for some kind of guidance and inspiration. But by the end of the day, uh, you were there, weren't you? There was this feeling of uplift. Wasn't there? I mean, it was a really good feeling in that hall. And it was, we were all in this together. And that's one of the keys that you, you don't do it by yourself. You do it there. It's been shown that when, when somebody is having, uh, going through physical or emotional pain, that if they hold somebody else's hands, their threshold for pain becomes much greater 
maybe I'll use uh, I'll use that one. Uh, maybe it's and um, and so you do it with others because it's too scary to do by yourself, and you do it with people who inspire you, and you do it out of love or fun. When you, if you go into that climate strike tomorrow, um, as committed as everyone is, it's, it's fun to be there with so many people who care. So you find people to do it with, and you hold your fear with understanding, with, with compassion, with equanimity, and say, yeah, it's okay. It's okay to be afraid. Any last comment? I was wondering if you could say more about, you talked to her, she, you know, well, the, the little girl who's on the autism spectrum. What is most interesting to me is that she holds herself apart, yet when she speaks to you, she's right there. But there's also this, distance that's really powerful and that that far yet close is I, I, is really compelling and I wonder if you could maybe just say a little more what you think of that yeah and in, in some ways it's um, there's a quality of of caring but equanimity that says this is the way things are just like we were saying before, there's there's caring, deep caring, enough so that she would go on these lonely this lonely strike for years by herself. But there's this sense of being aligned with the truth and not getting caught up in the game that most of us are caught up in. How am I doing? And that's probably why she calls it her superpower. Because she cares, but she's not caring about herself. And that's extraordinary. That, that sets you apart from most everybody. But it's not perhaps so out of reach. Because, and as we practice, we care less and less about ourself and more and more become a kind of um, instrument for life to use us. So when we say that somebody has personal power, it's not about, I've got personal power. It's more an impersonal power that that isn't taking it personally. And there's a courage and fearlessness that comes from that. And you don't have to be on the spectrum. You just have to see, be so aligned with the truth that you're um, letting life use you well. That's how I see it. Okay, so it's time to go, and let's just uh, have a short loving kindness at the end, and we can include um, Carol, who's going through depression, and loving thoughts for Daisy from their child who, uh, who 
passed away August 19th. May Daisy be at peace. And someone's daughter, Demi, struggling with frayed nerves. She's not alone. So just get in touch with whatever would bring you here on a Thursday night to practice with others and feel the goodness inside there. And appreciate that's one of your gifts. And see, that's what you can offer the world. May you feel all the good inside and share your love well. May we have courage to speak and act without fear or not be held back by fear and just be aligned with the truth not play small there's no time to play small and may our coming here together be of benefit to ourselves, everyone in our lives, all living beings everywhere, and help heal this planet that needs our caring. May all beings know the highest happiness and peace. very much for your kind attention. Go out and share your love well. And uh, I'll see you next week. Have a good week. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.